Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. The Apostle John is, remember again that he's dealing with the fact that we are God's answer to man's need to see him. I know it's a very long sentence, but <laughs> okay, but that's what he's dealing with. That we are God's answer. And you know, we really need to come to the realization that we are God's answer. We are here to be God's hands, God's feet, God's voice, and God's power in this earth. Amen? And uh, we looked at the power aspect of this last time when we looked at the Holy Spirit. And I hope that blessed you, um, that the Apostle John brought that fact out first because it was such a huge thing in his life when he had the Holy Spirit come upon him. And a lot of people see what they don't realize is that the Apostle John would have walked in all of the manifestations of the Spirit to some degree. Amen. So, you know, he would have been praying in tongues. I know the theologians don't like that, but he would have. And in fact, I believe a lot of the, the things that he wrote came from that place. Because we know that that gives you a direct connection to God. Amen? And uh, so, that's why that was such a powerful thing in his life. And it was the very first thing that he brings out. He's going to bring out an, another thing now in verse 14. He says, reading in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 14, he says, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. What I want to do today is take you on a little journey about what he saw, what he witnessed, and why he is saying it is so important that you know what he saw, what he witnessed, that it was true. Amen? So, as first of all, as William MacDonald puts it, this is a grand statement of divine love, that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. All right? Uh, divine love in action. And why the Apostle John says, even though it may be hard to believe, we have personally seen and testify to the fact that the God of the universe... See, this is why it's so unbelievable. Why should he care? <laughs> you know? I mean, he's got a whole universe, man. Why bother with this tiny little planet? And the itty-bitty people that are living on it. Seriously, okay? <laughs> and that's what he's saying, that he says, we have personally seen and testified to the fact that the God of this universe did in fact send his son to die for us all and be the savior of the world. Amen? Remember again that the Apostle John first heard about it. So I'm taking you on a little journey now, okay? Uh, from John the Baptist. Remember he was his disciple? Him and Andrew were disciples of John the Baptist. And uh, we read in John chapter 1 and verse 29, it says that the next day, John, now I've got to clarify which John, okay? <laughs> the next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said to those with him, which included John and Andrew, right? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was the first time the Apostle John heard about Jesus. And that was the first statement that was made regarding Jesus. He didn't say, hey, this is my cousin. Hey, cousin, say hello to John and Andrew. <laughs> okay? It wasn't that. The first time that John the Baptist sees Jesus, which is his cousin, by the way. Okay? He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the Jews. No. was what they were expecting. Thank God John didn't say that. He, says, he said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world. Wow. Do you understand the significance of that? When he heard that, he realized that God sent his only son to die for everybody. 
I mean every despicable human being on the planet. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? You know, the Jews used to despise a lot of cultures and people and stuff. <laughs> right? I, I can't go into detail, but you know, they, they had a very exclusive club. In fact, their club was so exclusive, they started with the fact that, and we looked at some of this in Bible college, they started with the, well, you know, there should be a line drawn between the Jews and the Gentiles. But you know, when you start drawing lines, you keep drawing lines. After a while, they said, you know what? I think we should also draw a line between good Jews and bad Jews. <laughs> you know? Where do you stop? Who do you consider good? Only God knows the heart of man. Amen? Amen. So anyway, let, let's go back to this. All right, so it says again that the next day, this is what John said about Jesus to, that John the Baptist said about Jesus to John, the apostle, who's going to be an apostle, and Andrew. Okay? And this made such an impact on the apostle John. Now remember, this is all in what? The gospel of John. Do you understand why now John wrote all this? You don't find this in any other gospel. It's in his gospel that he writes all of this. Okay? Because it made an impact on him. Uh, he goes in the record now in the same chapter, in, this time in verses 35 through 37. And it says there again, the next day. Remember John is writing this again. He says, again the next day, John the Baptist stood with two of his disciples who we now know are John and Andrew. And he says, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. Watch this, verse 37. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed, they just ditched John. They kind of go, hey, why are we hanging with him? Here's the Lamb of God that's here to do what? Take away the sin of the world. And you know what's really interesting is that John the Baptist didn't mind. He didn't look at them and go, hey, wait, 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 come back. I need you to help me with my things. Isn't it interesting? That's why, he, you remember, he, he goes on to say that I'm not even worthy of tying his sandals or taking his, you know. Th that was a phrase that was used of a person that would, because in the old days, and I don't want to go into too much history here, but in, back in that day, the streets were filthy. Okay, and so the, they would, the master would have a servant that would take their slippers and clean it and everything else so that you wouldn't walk filthy into a house, okay? And that was like one of the lowest jobs. And so John the Baptist says about Jesus, I'm not even worthy to do that dirty job. Are you all with me? He's, do you know why? It wasn't, he wasn't looking at Jesus as a person. He was looking at Jesus as God. Amen? Amen. All right. <clears throat> and of, of course, from the incident recorded in Matthew chapter 17 now, there was no doubt as to the fact that Jesus Christ was indeed God's son. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 17. So, so that was the first thing that the Apostle John heard about Jesus, that he was the son of God who was going to take, or the lamb of God that was going to take away the sin of the world. Now he's going to get a revelation that this is the Son of God. And not just from Pete. <laughs> okay? It's going to come from God himself. This is, this is very significant. In Matthew chapter 17, I'm going to read all the way through verse 8. Verses 1 through 8. I usually only do about two verses. Today I'll be reading through to verse 8. It says that now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. Do you see that? Okay. His brother led them up on a high mountain by themselves. I, I want you to see this from the place that John is saying, listen, what you believe is real. 
It is not something we made up. It is not some made-up religion and we're trying to get people to follow us. What we're doing, what we're teaching, what we're talking to you, what we're sharing with you is real. We were there. We saw. We heard. My goodness. Okay? I mean, this is just like, you know, uh, what is it called? In close encounters of the third kind. Forget that. This is God. Amen. I mean, this is the creator. So it says, now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. Verse 2. And he was transfigured before them. That was a shock to begin with. So now we go from, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world to dear God. What is that? <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, this is unusual. Can we all agree? All right. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Verse 3. And behold... Mo this wasn't freaking them out enough. Behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Do you understand why the apostle John is saying, hey, we were there, we saw stuff. Okay, you might not believe what all, but I was there. I saw all of this going on. Amen. All right, moving on. Verse 4, then Peter answered and said to Jesus, of course, Lord, it is good for us to be up here. I'm sure the other disciples are going, uh, duh. <laughs> As if, you know, all right. And he says, if you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Verse 5, while he was still speaking, this is the part I want to draw attention to. Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son. So Jesus has now gone from the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world to this is my beloved Son. And he says, in whom I am well pleased. And then he says, hear ye him. Okay, or hear him. Depends on what version you're looking at. <laughs> in other words, God's saying to Pete, hush up and listen to what he has to say. We don't care too much about what you're saying right now. Amen. <laughs> All right. Listen, there's a lesson in that. Sometimes we need to keep quiet and listen to what God says. Sometimes we're too busy talking to hear God. That's right. Amen. And then we wonder how come things aren't working out as well as they should. Because we're too busy talking. Somebody wrote a book called Listening Prayer. You know, because there's talking prayer. <laughs> okay. Now there is a time to talk. But, the, you know, the way it should be is you should spend more time listening, less time talking, because if you listen, faith comes by hearing. Amen. And you develop your faith to such a degree that when you speak, things will happen. And I think it's really sad that people try to make things happen with their words when they should be, when out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth should be speaking. And when it does that, then things, then things will move. Mountains move. Miracles happen. Amen? And, but you need to spend time. It doesn't happen overnight. Okay? And uh, I'll leave that with you. Okay. Verse 6. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. I want you to see something here. It made an impact on them. If they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid, it means that that, you know, it's one of those, <laughs> you know, we, we hear war stories. And, you know, people relive things that made such an impact on them. I believe that this is in a good way, that the Apostle John relived this moment over and over again. That he was there, he saw it just flash back, but in a good way. He's like, wow, 
I was there. I was on the mountain. I saw Jesus transform. I heard God talking. I was freaked out, but okay, but it was a good freak out, okay? And it, it goes to say, verse 7, and remember again, he's, he's saying, listen, I'm telling you something that I have experienced firsthand. That's why I want to bring all this to you. Is that okay? To let, because he's trying to give us, bring us to a place where we never question our faith. Because there's a lot out there that says, well, you believe in this, we believe in that. Who's to say which is right? Do you understand? That, that's why the Apostle John is saying, I can say which is right. I was there. I experienced this. And you need to know. Amen. All right. Moving on. So again, he, uh, it goes on to say in verse 7 now, But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. Verse 8, when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Isn't that interesting that the cloud had gone and everything had cleared up? Remember Moses and Elijah were there too? We forgot them, didn't we? <laughs> okay, They were still there. All of that, God, the cloud, Moses, everybody was gone when they looked back up. And I know they knew something happened that day. I was in bad pizza. Amen. I mean, <laughs> all three of them saw it. Heard it. That's why the Apostle Peter himself is going to do something very interesting and say, and go even a step further and say, you know, even as, as much as I've seen all of that, he said, we have a more sure word of prophecy in the written word of God. Amen. And he says, you make sure that all of your visions line up with this. Amen. Okay. Therefore, when the Apostle John said again in 1 John 4.14, and we have seen and testify. Do you get this now? We have seen and testify. All right. That the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. This is what he's talking about. Are you getting this? What he was effectively saying was our faith is based on an actual event, personal experience, not wishful thinking, or on projected hopes. <laughs> Amen. This again goes back to what the Apostle John said at the very beginning of this epistle where he wrote in 1 John chapter 1. I want to take you back just for a moment to verses 1 and 2. 1 John chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 where he said that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and handled and, have, uh, uh, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Remember he's talking about Jesus. He said, the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you the etern that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Do you get all of that? That's why he started like that. He said, listen, I am going to be writing about something and the place I'm coming from is from personal experience, from seeing things firsthand. This wasn't, well, brother, you know, Peter told me that brother Andrew had heard it from, you know, brother Judas. Oh, never mind, Judas wouldn't say that, but anyway, you know, one of them other brothers, okay, <laughs> that they were, you know, and, you know, maybe, maybe it was a little bit, you know, and whatever, and maybe they did have a little bit of a funny vision. It wasn't any of that funny stuff. It's, it, you know, it's really sad how sometimes people take what other people heard from somebody else who heard it somewhere else and whatever, that it was a fact. And, you know, people start basing their belief on something that, dear God, nobody knows what all happened that day. Whereas the Apostle John said, I was there. I experienced this. 
And I'm letting you know this, family, because, see, it's really interesting that he does this right after he talks about the Holy Spirit. Do you know why? Because sometimes people think, oh, was that God or was that the devil? Because people, it's very sad how Christians have settled in on such a, a, you know, meaningless, powerless existence, basically. And if something miraculous happens, they go, oh, that's, that, that's, that's just unnatural. That might be the devil. Do you all understand? So the apostle John is saying, hey, listen, you know, when I prayed for you and I healed you, that was God. I'm letting you know because I was there, I saw, I heard. So don't freak out about something miraculous happening to you and then wondering where it came from. Are you with me? Can you see this? And this is something that you guys are going to need as well. As Christians, we need to know that whatever we're moving, I've, had, I've actually experienced this, when we move in miraculous ways, that people sort of go, oh, I don't know. Was that tongues of the devil? I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? And you just say, no, 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 it was of God. Are you all here? Amen? In other words, when the Apostle John says in 1 John 4.14 that we, that is he along with all the other apostles, have seen and testified to the truth of the gospel, it is because the disciples were eyewitnesses not only of the baptism of Jesus, where the Spirit descended in the form of a dove and the Father declared, this is my Son uh, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. That's, by the way, in Matthew 3.17 Luke. 322, but also of his entire life. Remember, they were with him the whole time. Amen. They saw all kinds of miracles take place, you know, including the dead being raised, walking on water. I mean, we could just go on, water turning into wine. I mean, <laughs> water always had a problem with him. He's just going, now what? <laughs> you know, okay. But I just want you to understand that they were there witnessing all of this firsthand. Okay, so they saw, heard, and with their hands touched Jesus. And even after the ascension, they again go to see, hear, and handle him. With Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 40 saying, Now as they, so what, 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 I'm, what I have done is let you have a look at where John, first of all, heard about Jesus. Then what he witnessed firsthand about Jesus on the mountaintop. As God, that's why, and it was important not just that Pete made a confession, but that he, tra- you know, he transformed into something they had never seen before. That they knew what they were looking at was something extraordinary. He wasn't just a normal person. And the fact that he heard, they heard God the Father speaking and saying, this is my son. Are you all with me? Okay, so added to all of that, this is where the Apostle John is coming from. Okay. We have the incident in Luke chapter 24, verse 36 onwards. Now, this is after the resurrection, by the way. Now, as they said these things, this is, they were talking. What happens before this is the people on the road to Emmaus, okay, they're telling them of the uh, incident that occurred with Jesus there. Remember all that? Okay, so that's what they were talking about, just so you know. All right, so, it's, it, so it says, now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood suddenly. Okay, Jesus appears. Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace! To you. No, he would have said it quietly because it would have freaked them out. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so, um, so I've said you here is one occasion following the resurrection that the apostle John, along with the other disciples, heard him. Okay? Heard him. Peace. Okay? And obviously saw him. All right? It then goes on to say, but they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. So again, the apostle John is having another first-hand experience. Are you getting this? Okay. All right. 
And it's uh, verse 38. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Verse 39. Watch now. He says, behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. From this we know now that they saw. Because he says, look. They might have been freaking out before and turning away or whatever. But he says, turn around and look. It is me. Okay? All right. And then he says, watch this. He says, handle me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. In other words, he's saying, I am real. You know why that was so significant? Because he died. Nobody has died and come back in flesh form. They come back come to, woo, spirit. <laughs> okay? You know, Casper with the sheet over them. But never like this. This is like, and he says, handle me. Do you understand the significance of this? He's saying, listen, I've come back in bodily form. I died, and we know from Revelation that he says, I died and live forever. Which means he died. He, didn't, he wasn't really sick. And they nursed him back. <laughs> okay? Which is impossible in the short period of time, by the way. For him to be like this, and for him to suddenly appear out of nowhere. Again, let's John know that they are believing in the Son of God. Who can just appear. Who died, rose again, appears out of nowhere, says, handle me, because a spirit, I'm not a spirit, a spirit doesn't have this actual substance. Are you all with me? Amen. Okay, so what am I doing all this for? To let you know that you're not believing in some fairy tale. And that's what he's saying. Amen? Okay. Uh, right. Verse 40. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. So again, we understand why the Apostle John would say in 1 John 4.14 again, with all certainty, and all certainty, we have seen and testify. Do you get this now? The number of times, the things that he has seen. He's saying, listen, I have seen. I am testifying. Do you know what people, do you understand testify is, you know, uh, the uh, term that they use when you get, you know, you're in a courtroom and you're testifying about something. You are swearing to tell the truth. Are you all with me? And that's why the Apostle John is saying, listen, I have seen and I'm testifying from that place. Do you understand that everything that I'm saying to you is real? And he's saying the reality is this. Now here it is. He says all of that to say this, that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. This is a profound statement and lets us know that it was God the Father that actually initiated this. This is really important. Because people used to think that God was just separate from them. He was always had kind of, you know, a bone to pick with people. He was always upset. He was always punishing people. You didn't do the right thing. You looked funny at him and you're dead. No, seriously, okay? This is the mentality that they had. This is why the Apostle John and, the, you know, the, the New Testament apostles try to bring this fact across. And why, you know, the Apostle John also wrote in John 10.10... Jesus saying, you need to get your facts straight. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. All the stuff that you've been thinking is God wasn't God. He said, I have come to give you life. And remember, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, he's saying, whatever I'm saying is coming from him. He has been misunderstood for far too long. <laughs> okay, is what Jesus is saying. And he's saying, listen, just as I have come to give you life and life more abundantly, that's exactly what God has for you. And if you don't start believing for that, you will never get it. 
Amen. Do you understand that Hebrews 11.6 says, by, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And watch where your faith is, that he's going to beat you? No. It says you must, that you must believe that he is, and you must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You're not going to end up in the steel killing and destroying pile. You're going to end up in the life and life more abundantly pile. But only if you believe. And you must believe. You know, that was something that had sort of come to my attention in the last week or so. Those two words, must believe. You know, we're in a time where we must believe. The must believe is, moves mountains. Amen. We don't have a choice anymore, family. I, I, honestly, it's time that we got past that. Well, should we? I don't know if we want to believe that. <laughs> no more Thomas, okay? From now on, we must believe. And God's bringing this out more, sort of stronger and stronger that the just shall live by faith. We must believe because as soon as we start getting that going, I believe some extraordinary things will begin to happen in our life. Not that they already haven't been happening, but on another level. Amen. And I honestly believe that we need to get to the place where we, in ourselves, are no longer, uh, you know, use, uh, looking at faith as a choice. It is a, like breathing, you must believe. You know you must breathe. Watch. <gasps> no. <laughs> I'll be dead before long, okay? <laughs> we need to see faith in the same way. We need to see faith like we, we see breathing. We have to breathe. We have to faith. I know that's very bad English. But we must believe. Amen? All right. I think I got that one across. All right, let's move on. <laughs> so let, let's get back to this. So this, is, this again was a profound statement and let us know that it was God the Father that actually initiated this and sent his only son to save the entire world. And why it is the Apostle John who recorded it in his gospel in John chapter 3 verse 16. Remember, for God so loved the world. So he says, listen, do you not understand? God didn't hate the world. God wasn't upset. God so loved. And he didn't just love. He so loved that he gave. Amen? And he gave his prize. You know, the greatest thing he could give was his son. And he said, God so loved that he gave his only, I really, you know, love that he said only begotten son. He didn't say, well, I got about six of them. You can have the scrawny one. <laughs> you, know? you know, that's what happened with David, you know, King David. You know, when, <laughs> who was it? When the prophet, I think it was Samuel, said to Jesse, that is the father, he said, get all your sons. I wanna, I'm going to come and anoint the next king of Israel. Isn't this incredible? And Jesse brings all of his sons except David. You know, because he's the, the, the smallest, you know, runtiest, youngest in the family. And of course, Jews always believe that the first gets the double portion and all that stuff. Interesting, isn't it? Anyway, I don't want to preach on that. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, so I could just imagine, I, I believe it was Samuel. He's, it was Samuel, wasn't it? Am I getting this right? Okay. Samuel standing there. This would have been so hard for him to kind of go over every son and go, do you have another one? I wouldn't even ask that question. I would go to God and go, I think it's the wrong family. I don't know which one it is. 
I can't tell, man. <laughs> Maybe I'm losing it. I should have prayed some more. I'm sorry I didn't pray some more. Maybe I just picked one of these and hope to God it was the right one. <laughs> okay? So much could have But see, you know, Jesse did that thing where he, you know, he <laughs> says, you got another one? He goes, yeah, I got a scrawny one in the back somewhere. Do you want that one? He goes, bring him. Hurry up. <laughs> you know? I just think, I told you, bring him all of them. It wasn't like that. God sent his only begotten son. Isn't that interesting? And that whoever believes in him should not perish, have everlasting life. God initiated this. That's why the Apostle John is writing again and he's saying, do you not understand that, that's why he says, we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior to the world. He initiated this. He loves you so much and you need to know. This is a truth that you need in your life to know that God loves you so very much that he initiated it. He sent his son to die for you. And that becomes the good news you pass on to other people. Once you get them healed, the very next thing you do, remember the, the gifts of spirit and the, the spirit was the first thing. Once you get him healed, next thing you need to do is Romans 10, 9. See, before you can do that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll confessions of a preacher, okay, before I became a preacher, okay? <laughs> you know, I used, to, I used to just experience the supernatural in my life, but I didn't have, and I, I don't know how, you know, this is possible, but I'm letting you know that this is possible. I didn't have the conviction, the assurance that everything I believe was right. I'm just letting you know. I'm not like that today. <laughs> okay? Hey, I wouldn't be here otherwise. All right? But, you, you know, you can be in that position where, you know, okay, so things work, but how do I know it's according to what you said? It could be something else. You know, that fellow down the road preaches something else, and they got things to move and stuff to happen. How do we know it's, they're not right? And we're, you know, kind of tapping into their stuff and putting, assigning our God to it. You know what I'm trying to say? There's all sorts of things that can go wrong. And that's why the Apostle John is saying, listen, the first thing you need is to understand about the Spirit. The second thing you need is to know that what you believe is right. That it's coming from God, not some other sort of renegade or, you know, outlaw spirit that's roaming the earth. Amen? Because he can do stuff too, by the way. They're called lying signs and wonders, but anyway. So um, we're going to have to quit here. We'll pick this up next week. In, uh, let me just finish with this. Interesting, in his commentary, Simon J. Kistamaka says that the early church, listen, the early church called attention to Jesus, who was appointed as Savior and given the authority as Lord to save not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles. Amen? The early church saw that. They recognized that. And they portrayed Jesus as the Savior of all the world. Amen? Amen. In other words, the work of salvation was always to be worldwide in scope. We're going to come back next time and uh, go to John chapter 4, again in the Gospel of John, and see an excellent example of this when we look at the incident between Jesus and the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Amen? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word.